What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here, dropping another Data Protection Gumbo episode for you today. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Michael Frazier, co-founder, CEO, and chief architect at Refactor, which is a radically simple DevSecOps platform company. Now, Gumbo listeners, Michael provides details on what is DevSecOps and its importance, how backup technology has changed, details on the CICD pipeline, and the meaning of IT as code. So let's get right into this episode and thank you again for supporting Data Protection Gumbo. Mike, how are you today? Great. So let's start off with the fundamentals, since there are a lot of backup and storage professionals and maybe not as many security experts listening to to the gumbo. Um, So what is DevSecOps and why is it important, you think, for gumbo listeners in 2021 to understand that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So from a standpoint of kind of taking a step back and looking at the you know the entire technology landscape we've really seen a push towards um, software defined everything and when it comes to storage and backup and compute and you know the other fundamental change that's happening uh, in our industry is around the migration to uh, cloud as well and so that's really kind of pushing this concept of devsecops which is really about having security baked into a DevOps process. But I I will also look at it as holistic uh, automation that you're able to apply to different solutions that you're trying to create for your organization that by design will have different components required to be able to provide the the type of solution that your company is looking for in order to move towards, you know, the the term that I'm not a huge fan of, but everybody uses a digital transformation, which is <laughs> yeah. a very, uh, it's a word, it's a phrase that really, you know, needs more definition, you know, to be more defined around it. But I would say that, you know, the push towards digital transformation is really to increase the agility of the organization. Right. And DevSecOps is about, being able to ensure that your organization can get the outcomes they're looking for by, you know, moving to the public cloud, refactoring their their solutions from, you know, on-premise into the cloud, whatever, you know, looking at cloud native, all, all this different stuff that everybody's looking at and the impact of, of what that means to the organization. And I, I look at it as being, you know, there's still going to be you know, hybrid cloud for for a long time, just because a lot of things are still on premise. A lot of it's legacy, or what we kind of deem legacy, or or you can also call it traditional IT, more of the on on premise rack and stack type of uh, environments, data centers. So those still persist and are still out there. But the move to the cloud is really abstracting away a lot of the hardware that we've been used to as IT professionals out there. And so I would say that, you know, thinking about the change and the impact of what that looks like for not just for storage and backup, but, you know, everything else goes around it because, you know, the you need other 
things to to back up, right? And and yeah. So that's that's kind of how I look at it. Okay, yeah. And so the technology has changed, you know, quite some bit just over the last five or ten years. And I understand that that you also have some some storage and, and backup and recovery experience as well. You, you mind telling us a little bit about that, and maybe walking us through some of the changes that you've seen since you know you you moved away from the backup industry and and um, moved more into the automation space. Absolutely. When I started my career out, I was a started out as a cybersecurity engineer in the Air Force. I had multiple technology companies. I started out with a uh, computer repair shop or store and then had a mobile on-site computer company. I do a lot of backups for customers, you know, at their businesses. Uh, segued from there into a managed services provider and was doing a lot more automation around uh, creating DR as a service um, to be able to provide to the customers. And I actually uh, built, uh, had another company around that, the, around the MSP that was building backup and disaster recovery uh, appliances for customers leveraging storage craft at the time. And it was really about making it easy for customers to be able to utilize a more automated approach to their their backups, but also being able to look at recovery time objectives, uh, re- recovery um, point uh, objectives, RPOs and RTOs, and building the service around that so that other companies could actually utilize or, you know, or add it to their own services offering. So I spend a lot of time with various companies also consulting with them, helping them build out their, their DR and business continuity strategies. Now with, with cloud and how everything's happening on the cloud side too, you know, you're picking and choosing different services in the cloud and, and thinking about how you can restore those. And then also modern things too, like containers so you know containers existed 10 years ago but things like kubernetes and you know a lot of the things that you're seeing out there in the cloud native space didn't even exist 10 years ago kubernetes is only six years five six years old now still relatively a, a newer technology that organizations are looking at and then there's just a lot of other you know services that are now available in the cloud too that you can utilize and so you have to really be cognizant about, you know, what what you're doing as you're moving to the cloud. It's not something that's just like, oh, I can move this stuff from on-premise to the cloud and it should work the same way. There's a lot of nuances to how stuff is run in the cloud from your, you know, from your your networking to your compute to your storage, you know, everything, how, how you're securing that versus on-premise, um, you know, your perimeter, all, all that good stuff. Yeah, so let, let's take a step back and... Maybe do a one-on-one level around DevSecOps. You know, what, what does that stand for? You know, because the, the listeners that, that we have more on the backup and recovery and storage side. Um, also, what is CICD, which is also another term that um, that you see goes hand-in-hand hand with automation. Can, can you maybe walk us through that and, and maybe give us a, a one-on-one around what those things are and why they're important to, to know right now? Absolutely. So DevSecOps, my definition of it is holistic automation that bakes in security where you're leveraging existing DevOps tools that could be everything from 
um, you know, Terraform to Ansible, uh, Puppet. Uh, there's a lot of newer tools out there too to do, you know, IAC scanning, like bridge cruise checkoff, you know, just various different tools that are out there. Um, and, and the security piece of it is really important because it's, it's about having security built into your uh, pipelining process, which is what you build in CI, CD, a pipeline, which is a sequence of steps that do things inside of the pipeline to create an, essentially an agile process where you can easily update and iterate on just like developers do when they code and are using CI, CD for software delivery being able to then apply that to infrastructure mm -hmm. and other things that you would deem to be more ops related. And then security where we notorious or the security is notorious for having point products that are not a part of any sort of uh, pipelining process. And so CICD really brings the ability to, um, to add agile automation not just for software delivery anymore. So the key there is with continuous integration, continuous delivery, or some call it continuous deployment, is to really be able to hone in on the, so the continuous integration part is really around, you know, hey, if I create some code and I update it, I can have multiple developers. And, and the other piece that I would say there is there's more and more people that are building things that are not purely for that are purely you know uh, applications right like so if i build terraform you know terraform and i'm building iac i will most likely be using ci for that so that anytime that i make a change to the to the terraform configuration i update that in my 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 git repo and i can have a process and tests and everything else around that and then the delivery piece by actually being able to push the code mm -hmm. that you've created into production. But again, it's it's really around anything becoming uh, software defined or software, and it's no longer just about software delivery. And the other piece that I would hone in on with DevSecOps is looking at the different various security tools that are out there. So I've done a lot of work uh, with Center for Internet Security. Uh, we actually refactor integrated their a syscat assessor tool, which is around, you know, being able to run assessments against the CIS benchmarks for, you know, various operating systems uh, like uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux or, um, you know, Kubernetes, you know, the full gamut of different or Windows. Um, but looking at that as being a part of a pipelining process, leveraging CI CD so that you can actually scan the uh, you know, the infrastructure that you create to make sure that it meets the you know, or gets an assessment and then being able to add other things like remediation to it and so on. But the, the one thing that I would say with all of that is yeah. the, the ability to leverage a tool chain as well that gives you the ability to use content that's getting created around configuration as code, infrastructure as code, um, policy, security, backup as code, all the things that you want to be able to put into a pipelining process because if it becomes software, then you can use CI, CD uh, and be able to create the pipelining process that you, you have to have if you're going to use DevSecOps methodologies. 
Yeah, and you, you threw out a lot of other terms there, you know, infrastructure as code. I think you mentioned IT as code as well, but I guess your software or your company, Refactor, right? So how, how does Refactor, you know, fit into the piece of, you know, everything that, that we were just talking about or you were just talking about? And, and how, does, how does Refactor solve some of those challenges that are, that are currently in the DevSecOps space? So we came up with a, with a term... Uh, IT is code. And it was really around, as I was saying earlier, everything becoming code. So if it becomes software defined, so even if it's not a, you know, a pure application, if it's, if it's a configuration or it's a, if it's infrastructure, you should be able to put it into a pipelining process. And a refactor, we really honed in on the problem space that most of the CI, CD, tools out there were built for software delivery and geared specifically towards developers. And the issue was that was leaving out cybersecurity and ops out of the equation. So our goal at Refactor was really about bridging that gap between DevOps and and cybersecurity and looking at how do you do that? Like, what what do you provide to folks that aren't necessarily developers or, or DevOps engineers, but give them the ability to be a part of the automation process because, you know, cybersecurity and ops folks don't just want visibility. They want to be a part of the process. And so that's really the, was the genesis of building our, our platform was to, to bridge that, that gap. And then the other piece is to, eat, to support a lot of the different tools in a format that can be packaged up and used by a broader audience. So we have a concept of building low-code pipelines in our platform, but with the ability to start from uh, existing tools and automation content, because most enterprises um, have built out their you know content around different tools like Terraform and Ansible and Puppet and so on. And so they don't want to have to for lack of a better word, refactor that into some some net new proprietary platform. They want to use the content they've created, uh, you know, in its native format. And so our philosophy was let's do that for, at a tool level, so that everything, every all the content that's created out there, whether it's a you know Terraform config or cloud native templates or Ansible, could all be used in its native format, and then that could be packaged up into low code. Uh, pipelines, but I, I also view low code as something that helps to bridge the gap, but shouldn't be the the end all be all in how we solve this talent shortage when it comes to uh, you know DevOps engineers or cybersecurity professionals and, and really everybody that's trying to also move from being more of the traditional you know cybersecurity practitioner or op, ops person wanting to get into this modernization where everything becomes code. So they have to have ways to make it easier for them, but also ways for them to be able to collaborate with their existing, you know, DevOps and cloud architect teams. You know, so going back to like refactor. So we, we really look at us as being a part of this next wave of the modernization of IT as a whole, which is really what IT is a code is all about. And then we look at it as a, platform play to be able to create content that you want to be able to have a broader technical audience be able to utilize. And you should be able to create and package up content in a way that, um, you know, other teams can use without them having to be 
a, a hardcore software engineer. And that's really been my focus for the last few years of really solving that problem and seeing that it was a pervasive problem across our entire industry. And not just on the enterprise side, but also in the work that we're also doing with the, um, the DOD and the Air Force. So it's super interesting just to see how the entire industry, the, the entire industry as a whole is really moving in this direction. Um, and this is the first time I've ever seen the, you know, the, the DOD actually, in some ways, ahead of the, uh, the commercial market um, in, in some of their initiatives around DevSecOps. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a very interesting time that we're living in right now. And as far as, you know, everything moving in the, in the direction of infrastructure as code, you know, you even have backup as code now and, and several other vendors that are out there, you know, taking on the, you know, things such as uh, backing up and protecting Kubernetes data, you know, data running in containers, et cetera. Let, let's say that, that the Gumbo listeners are, you know, cu- currently using some services or, or tools like Slack and, you know, maybe ServiceNow or containers or Terraform, what, what advice would you give to them to, let's say, efficiently integrate these products into their existing workflows or, or, or pipelines, as you mentioned earlier? Yeah, so I would look at first, like, what are you trying to accomplish? What are the outcomes that you're trying you're trying to achieve with some of these different tools or products that you want to integrate in what is something that's imperative for you to have integrated into your your process i look at you know tools like slack and in service now as as being something that you're you're using as some sort of you know business line of app app that you're going to integrate into your process because you you probably want you know service now to update ticketing you're going to want to pop messages into Slack channels, but those are just ancillary pieces of a broader approach, which is the solutions you're trying to build around those. And then how does that work with different tools that you're trying to utilize? And so if you're looking at, you know, hey, I want to get into using containers, I, I first say, you know, why? Like, what is the push? Not just because it's uh it's uh, the new shiny object for a lot <laughs> yeah, of organizations, right. but it's really about, you know, what, what are you getting out of that? Are you looking to, you know, to want to have, um, you know, separate out your, your state and, and have immutable infrastructure? Is that something that you're trying to, to, to accomplish by using infrastructure as code? Is that push being catalyst by your move to the public cloud? And then what are all of the pieces and parts around that? So it's, it's really about solution delivery around all the different pieces and parts that you're trying to create. And when you're building pipelines, I always like to push on, you know, try to, try to decouple and, and create modular pipelines that you can reuse in other pipelines or workflows because you may create a Slack pipeline that you can then use in you know any other pipeline that you're going to use the same way over and over and the key there is repeatability but the goal there is that you're creating repeatable content that you can scale out and then everything you create is modular and then you can apply that to different use cases that didn't traditionally fit into what people look at as for for CI/CD and then also thinking about how you can create 
pipelines that can be used both on-premise and in the cloud. So a good example of that is around security, adding security assessments like around CIS benchmarks, where if I have a tool built into my process and I can scan my operating system, then it doesn't matter if it exists on-premise or in the cloud. I can have the exact same approach to scanning and remediation, and I can take that same approach to um, you know, backups too, depending on what I'm using. Now, I would say the, the caveat there is because of the abstraction away of hardware in the public cloud, that makes it interesting when it comes to trying to use the existing products that you're used to uh, using on-premise. But I would say also say a lot of the vendors out there are looking at ways to, to help with this. And then the other piece is like your DR strategy. If you're moving to containers, a, a, a good reason around modernizing your applications to use containers is to try to create the or to, to create the ability to to deploy and redeploy your application wherever you want and not have it not have to have it tightly coupled to particular hardware. And then also the ability to um, you know, to, to, to roll out updates and do things that would, would allow you to have very little impact to uh, production workloads. And that's really the other key, too, because if you're trying to create a more agile approach to even the infrastructure that your applications live on, you want to think about what you're trying to accomplish there if you are using something like Kubernetes. Um, you know, or, you know, just something that's more monolithic using VMs still work for you. But I would say, you know, if you're going to shift from on-premise, you know, workloads from on-premise to the public cloud, it's the perfect time to think about the, you know, to, to, to modernize if cloud native, you know, makes sense for you. And then also, you know, the again, mix, mixing and matching the different services that you're looking for on the, the cloud provider too, does it make sense to you to use the, 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 the built-in cloud services? Are you still looking to use third-party products that you just wanna utilize in the cloud, you know, in the cloud as well? Um, and so you really have to look at re-architecting your approach there. But I, I always hone in on no matter what you do, look at putting it into a pipelining process because that's really critical to be able to make sure you create repeatability yeah. and scalability when it comes to whatever you're you're building from a solution standpoint. Okay, great. So may, maybe one or two more questions uh, before we wrap up here. Also, another question that I really love to ask because it's very beneficial for the Gumbo listeners that are still out of a job, you know, looking to up-level their skills, looking to figure out whether or not they should go for that next cloud certification, which cloud certification, should they get into coding or learn Python or just, you know, there, there's a lot of things out there right now that an, an IT expert can actually, you know, move down that path to up-leveling their skills. What, what advice would you give to someone right now that's out of work and they're looking to go to the next level? I would recommend learning computer science fundamentals if you don't know them. Now, that doesn't mean you have to, you know, become an expert at, you know, a bunch of different languages, but I would hone in on, you know, some of the more popular languages out there to just learn the fundamentals around Python. Um, specifically, if you're on security and the ops side, a lot of organizations 
and a lot of tools out there, uh, you know, require some sort of understanding of, of Python. It's also a great language just to get into, to start learning out of the gate. Uh, I would also look at different tools to use too. You know, there's a lot of really awesome tools in infrastructure as code, configuration management, but they do require you to have a at least a basic knowledge of computer science fundamentals um, to utilize those tools. And so if you don't have that foundation, I would look at trying to upskill or, or reskill yourself around that. And some easy ways to do that is to, you know, look at getting into uh, learning some infrastructures code. Even, I wouldn't even go straight to like Terraform. I would learn cloud native templates like uh, Azure uh, resource manager templates, ARM templates, uh, or, or cloud formation are good areas to start where you can start learning how, how does IAC work? How does this work in the cloud? How can I run this? What, what is the process to actually run, run this configuration? How do I, how do I, you know, can I run that start from the command line? Do I then, can I, how do I put that into a real simple CI CD process? You can get, you know, easily started in, you know, GitHub or GitLab, learn Git, you know, just the basics that you would learn as just the, a developer, those are some of the computer science fundamentals that are more of the applied side. Just look at the different tools. And again, the, the, the same tools can be applied um, when it comes to, you know, anything you're doing around infrastructure's code, configuration's code. And then, you know, infrastructure's code, uh, you know, can include other things like storage and backup and and security baked into it, then you can look at adding other tools into your process too, but start small too. Start learning, you know, one tool, one, you know, I would start with one cloud provider, learn how how that work, you know, how that works. Um, look at, you know, maybe writing a few scripts yourself, even, you know, write shell bash scripts or PowerShell, like even you could go one step back from Python, right? Just learn a, you know, an even easier, I say easier, but, you know, scripting language that could be applied as well. Um, and the key, though, is like if you learn PowerShell, that will give you the ability to also know how, you know, to, to take the next step to like Azure PowerShell in, in the cloud. So, you know, again, there's there's connecting points to be able to upskill. But, yeah, computer science fundamentals and, you know, starting with one cloud and learning some of the tooling is is super critical. Uh, you know, to become marketable in 2021 doesn't mean you have to go out and immediately try to go, you know, score 10 certifications, learn the technologies first, then you can go on and get the certifications. But a lot of organizations, unless it's like mandatory, are, are much more inclined to want to hire somebody that has skills that are applying that they can immediately apply versus just having certifications. Right, yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's a balance there. Okay. Yeah, that was, you know, fantastic information. I appreciate you sharing that. And rolling into the the closing gumbo question, and this is primarily one that's that's not r really a technical question, but it's more of a personal slash, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing type of question. So let, let's say that it is the year 2030. What do you see happening in the world overall, and how does technology sink into that? You know, I would definitely see, you know, a lot more... AI applied and all kinds of different things like, you know, autonomous cars and even some of the stuff we're working on in DevSecOps, you know, being able to apply, um, you know, AI ML models to data sets that we're getting out of all of this stuff that we're creating 
is going to be essential to be able to uh, fill out the the overall talent shortage that we have. And I, I definitely see automation as being key there, but intelligent automation, right? And the ability for that to be applied to everything we're doing from a uh, technology standpoint. I, I see a major push towards, you know, a lot more, you know, uh, uh, edge computing, you know, and, and being able to to have more and more more computing done at the edge from a standpoint, not just IoT, we're going to see a lot more compute thrown at different problems that don't need to be necessarily centralized in public cloud and more like a, a hybrid approach between both. And then I would say the other piece of all that is, you know, a huge push on you know, cybersecurity just being a part of every team and no longer being this this siloed team and organizations and really everybody having to have a piece, you know, uh, be a part of the cybersecurity narrative. It's a pervasive problem that we see in in our industry. And so by, by 2030, I, I see that, you know, cybersecurity is just a integral part of every, not, not that it isn't already, but it's not going to be something that's, completely separate. I, I see that being a part of every single team out there and being something, um, you know, built in, but I don't think that uh, we'll have sentient robots by then. So I think we'll still be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just thinking as you were talking about IOT and the edge and, you know, I thought a little bit about mobile and how uh, we're slowly rolling into 5G. So maybe by that time we'll be six or seven or 8G you know, type technology out there. Who knows what's what's beyond 5G, but there's going to be a lot of computing power in everyone's hands. Um, that's also the new babysitter. So, you know, iPads are thrown in front of toddlers now to kind of soothe them. Just, I guess, the same way that, that we, we were sitting in front of television, you know, back in the day. You know, I'm not telling my age, but it was before pagers we're actually on the scene. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there any way that you would like the Gumbo listeners to reach out to you, maybe on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at, at I, my handle on Twitter's IT is code or on LinkedIn under uh, IT is code as well. So I, I live and breathe what I, uh, what I've been building at refactor. So I kind of, I equate myself to being uh, easy to find out there as, as the IT is code guy. Uh, so you can definitely find me out there uh, on on social media, and um, yeah, you know I, I'm constantly at events, so you can check me out. I've, I've presented at All Day DevOps, uh, HashiComp. Uh, definitely check out content that I've uh, I've either written out there or presenting on or presenting at at various events out there throughout the year. And so I, I'd love to give back uh, uh, from a thought leadership perspective, just because this is a very interesting topic that uh, you know needs more and more uh, people out there. And if you're interested in this as well, I would say you know ping me as well. I can uh, see tell you give you pointers on how to get involved too, and, and how to um, you know gain experience in this area too. Because it's it, we, we definitely need more people involved in not just DevSecOps, but really the overall modernization um, that we're all kind of marching towards and uh it's exciting times we live in. all right well michael thank you so much for appearing on data protection gumbo thanks demetrius
Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.